Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. It's the holiday season, and uh, this is part two of a two-part series that we're doing of uh, interview and music of Claire Daly, a wonderful uh, musician, baritone, saxophone player, and flute player. She's played with the Jam Session regularly over the years. Um, She's one of our our regular special guests and someone that we love to have, and everybody loves playing with her when she does play with us. She plays regularly in the city. She plays at Smalls and other clubs in the city. She'll tell us in the second half of the interview about a number of the uh, places that she does play and uh, some of the things that she's done, Bar 55 and others uh, in the city and what's happening with the city right now in terms of live music, which has been reduced but we have to go out and support it. It's very important to keep it going because we all love it. So Claire Daly, fascinating person. Let's listen to part two of our interview and music with Claire Daly. So tell us about going to Berkeley and how that happened and what that was like. And uh, cause it was in the early eighties, right? You left Boston around 85, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was young, my father took me to a lot of jazz concerts it's, that's really where it happened for me. And w- w- somebody, after one of the concerts, I wanted to get, I have autographs. I got autographs because I was a geeky little kid. And I was like, I want to get their autographs. And so my father asked one, at least one of the musicians, you know, she's, she really is, wants to do this. What should she do? And they told us about Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And then this was, you know, long ago. And there weren't a lot of jazz programs around at that point. And, you know, so we looked into it and I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And, you know, my parents now with hindsight, I wish I had just moved into New York City and started studying with people privately. But um, that's not because I, I had a great experience at Berkeley. Um, that's just because then I'd have a rent-controlled apartment now. But uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm being funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Berkeley was great for me. I I was naive. I was 18. I was um, you know inexperienced. But I the people there to study with, and I made great friends who are still my friends. I became the I heard the Fringe for the first time, which is George Garzon's group mm-hmm. i had no idea what avant-garde jazz was and i heard them play live and i i was floored and i didn't i was like i i don't I, what i it just scrambled my brain and i was like i don't really understand this but i need to keep coming back so i kept i went every monday for like a year and then i became the uh yeah, we've bartender. That's great. <laughs> because Michael, I have to plug my computer. I became the bartender because Michael, um, you know, there weren't a lot of people there on Monday nights, and Michael wanted to do something else. And he's like, "You're here. Why don't you be the bartender?" And I think he asked George Garzon, and George said, "Oh yeah, Claire's cool. I, you know, like." So so I became the bartender, and I heard them every week for another couple of years. So I heard the Fringe every Monday for about three years which ensconced a, a free jazz sensibility. And of course, then I was exploring that world. So as far as the future goes for me, I really love playing inside. I love playing funk. I love playing free jazz. And mm-hmm. if my life can play out mm-hmm. and allow me to do that, 
I'm going to be a, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty happy, I'm a pretty happy camper as it is. I always say if I, you know, if the end was tomorrow, I would not regret this life at no. all. I've had, I've had a pretty fantastic life playing, playing music and playing the saxophone. Like, right. Yeah. Whatever. It's, 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 it's how I, it's how it came to me. So yeah, I, I've pretty much just followed the muse and right. I, I really don't have a lot of, you know, I'm, I want to do this and this and this. Like, I, I think that goals are great to have, but I think um, sh getting out there and showing up and moving forward and keep doing what's next, and you might be led in a direction that you don't know about yet. Right. It might be, might be fantastic. So Berkeley was how many years? I went there all four years. Four years. I graduated. Yeah, I did. Uh -huh. I think I did that because I was so young. A lot of people, what even a lot of people then were older than me because they'd gone off and they'd done something and they'd gotten really clear on what they needed to know about. And then they went to Berkeley for a couple of years and really worked on that. And you've continued to play with some of those people. Have they been part of your network of people that you play with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still, I, I think a lot of my, you know, oldest and dearest friends are from my Berkeley years. A great example is, is Lainey Stern, who I met I, when I was bartending at Michael's. She's married to Mike Stern, the guitarist. And when I, uh, she came in to hear Mike, they were dating then. They've been married now, I think, for 40 years. But um, they, were, they were dating. She came in. She's fantastic German guitarist, and she's just a big beam of bright light wow. and we became very good friends and um you know has she she's played on with you i say has she played on tunes with you no no we, we did gigs years ago we haven't done we haven't gigged in a long time together but not for any reason just you know like how about mike gigs. stern uh no i've never recorded with mike mm -hmm. and doesn't isn't he involved with a club in the city the the, the bar 55 is that yeah, they both, they actually started the, the music at the 55 bar. Mm -hmm. When they moved to New York from Boston, because originally I believe the story is that Mike got the gig with Billy Cobham first mm -hmm. and he moved to New York. They mm -hmm. moved to New York. And Miles came in and heard him play with Billy Cobham and scooped him right up. Wow. Put him right in the band. Mm -hmm. So that, that was... That was in the 80s. Yeah. And then yeah. Miles came back. I remember hearing them play in Boston when Mike was in the band, like the first, they were just coming back. Miles was just coming back. Right. Know. Right. Yeah. So is it Lane, Laney Stern? Is it yeah. Laney? And that's L-E-N-I. Laney. Nope. L-E-N-I. Her name is Magdalena. Okay. Her, she goes by Laney. L-E-N-I yeah. Stern. Yeah. Well, do you know what Mike's mother's name is? You know what's weird? His mother's name is Lenny. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, how strange is that? <laughs> Lenny Lenny Stern. Anyway. That's great. Well, we were we were in Boston at that time. We we actually moved to New Jersey in 84. I think. Oh. It's when our it's when our second daughter was when my wife was pregnant with our second daughter. So we we were still living there. We were in Brookline. Yeah. So we were in Boston at the same time. So we yeah. sure were, because I came back to New York in 85. Yeah. And I'd been there nine years. So we've got lots of 
common ground, I'm sure. Do you remember some of the clubs that you, uh, I mean, like where, when you were going to school, were you, well, yeah, you remember them all. Well, I worked at Michael's Pub. Right. I used to go to Pooh's Pub. Uh-huh. Um, the Paradise up uh-huh. on Tom Ave. That was Don Law's um, place. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was he was like the rock promoter in New York and in Boston at the time. I didn't realize he was behind that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Funny connections. Um, Did the Paradise that? have jazz? Um, I mean, I saw the Talking Heads there. You know, they they they. No, not straight up jazz. They yeah. didn't. But there was, of course, the jazz workshop in Paul's Mall, which right. I went to every week. I went there all the time. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Talking Heads. I just, three nights ago, went to the Museum of the City of New York, and Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth, the married bass player and drummer right. from them, were did a interview, and then they showed Stop Making Sense, which is the, you know, a... a, a movie jonathan demi i think made a movie uh-huh. their concert yeah it was great it was wonderful yeah. but um cool that you well, saw them live uh, that, that's that's fun um, yeah. I, you know what i after i got out of berkeley i was in a rock band so when i i played there but it was with a rock band called Dish. when you were at berkeley you were doing jazz right or yeah. yes yeah. i was doing jazz and i was going to the jazz workshop every week and hearing everybody from joe pass to the Brecker brothers, you know, just, and everybody in between, Sonny Rollins, Dexter Gordon, mm-hmm. um, God, just every Bill kind of like a, a heyday of jazz in Boston? I mean, in, in the eighties, I mean, can you put that into context or also in the city of New York? Cause you came down to New York in 85, like what's been the evolution of, jazz, of live jazz in the, in the two cities from your point of view? Oh, okay. Well, from my point of view, for live jazz in Boston, it was the Jazz Workshop and Paul's Mall. Mm-hmm. So that was the ultimate. Although I, I have to put Michael's Pub into that too, because I would hear the Fringe there every Monday, and I would hear Jerry Berganzi every Thursday mm-hmm. so, with Combrio. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- those were my biggest stomping grounds. And then when I came down here, I had a, a little a little walking route in the village. Um, you know, like uh, the, the, that I would, in the Vanguard, like I would sit at the top of the stairs at the Vanguard and hear people or maybe go there. Once you get, once people knew who you were, they would let you in, you know, it was, the, the, you know, you sort of became right. part, part of the, the hang there. And the Vanguard, um, Sweet Basils, which then became, then was, became Sweet Rhythm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sweet Rhythm was a great one for me because um, James Brown, who had been a DJ on WBGO, mm-hmm. uh, was the manager, and he would book me. He 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 he. I could just call him and book gigs easily there, so that was really nice. And I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I just was saying to somebody, I feel like equally a listener. I'm a listener as much as a player. Like I, it, it's so important for me to hear live music and to to be either in the room playing with people for people or playing in the room with people listening to people. Right. Playing. It's really both both things are very important to me. <laughs> Thank you. 
Jam Session Radio Hour is supported by Bayard Fenwick as a sponsor and underwriter, as part of the Terry Cohen team located at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate. Bayard is well versed in the residential real estate market from Bridgehampton to East Hampton to Amagansett to Montauk. Bayard believes there are three parts to the value of a property: land value, improvements made to the property, and an emotional component. You can reach Byard Fenwick at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate at 631-324-7575. That's 631-324-7575. The Jam Session Radio Hour is also supported by Oza Sabbath Architects of Bridgehampton, New York. Oza Sabbath Architects both designs and builds homes, believing that a well-designed home suffuses our lives with the essential elements of balancing and recharging. Oza Sabbath Architects can be reached at ozasabbath.com. That's O-Z-A-S-A-B-B-E-T-H.com and at 631-808-3036. That's 631-808-3036. You're listening to WLIW, FM uh, station, NPR station, Long Island's only NPR station, uh, which is uh, 88.3 on your dial and is um, WLIW.org slash radio. And uh, we are listening to the Jam Session Radio Hour and part two of an interview with Claire Daly. So um, I know you from the Jam Session, which you did at Bayburger and Sag Harbor, um, which is, you know, now kind of legendary out here and has, yeah. so what, what first brought you to that? Was it knowing Cleus or how did you know? How about the jam session? Well, I think, honestly, I think uh, I might have been visiting Ada Ravati, and maybe she told me about it, or we went there and sat in something like that. Or Their she little daughter, uh, Stella, who was, when she first started coming, Stella was like two or three. Well, yes, Stella is amazing. And we went... Was her own website and her own jewelry um, manufacturing, apparently. <laughs> bright kid, too. Um We'll cut here for an ad uh, for her, you know, her, her jewelry industry. Oh, right, right. Sign up the, the jewelry. Yeah. 
or for Ada's um, clothes since well, she makes. Too. I know she's she is so creative. No. that woman. She is amazing. She is relentlessly creative. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Has she made uh, any stage, um, you know, uh, tops or whatever? Anything that you wear on stage? No. I bet she has. She, I think she makes a lot of her clothes. No, I mean for you. Oh, for I me. I know she has for her. <laughs> no, no, but I'll have, now you've given me an idea. I'm yeah. gonna have to. I'm due I for. I haven't been out there in a couple of years now. Like I know I, since before the pandemic. It's I mean, crazy. Yeah. And I've got a relative, or my sister-in-law's sister is has a place in Amagansett I can stay in. Too, uh -huh. so I should. Yeah. I should get back out there soon. So is Joel Chris somebody that you know? Joel Chris, is that a name that you know? You know, I know Joel Chris's name from here, but I don't know him. Okay. Well, he's on the board now of the jam session. And um, so he helped us put the Hamptons Jazz Fest together. But he had a career, he's had a career in the city booking um, people in clubs. An agent or a manager or something? Yeah, yeah. Had his own booking agency. So, I, you know, I think probably he seems to know all the bands. I'm sure he knows yours and your work and yeah well i i'd love to come back that's for sure but yeah uh, uh we've got to make that happen but yeah so Ada, yes let's do that and Ada, um we're talking about Ada ravati who's Ada ravati definitely introduced me to clace but then you've you've you probably played bayberger i don't know 20 i'm gonna say maybe 15 20 times at least Right? I came every time I every time he asked me to, I always said yes, and I I, just, I never minded it. I just it was always so much fun. Plus, you know, I could I would see Ada. I would visit my friend Liz out there. Right. My friend was a fabulous artist named Liz Engelhart, uh -huh. is a, a good friend of mine from the city, and okay. she's out there. So I would uh, you know I'd just see my friends or my sister in law's sister, and um, yeah, I love coming out there. It's it's fantastic. Right. So, um, so we were talking about Berkeley. Talked about different albums that you've okay, done. Okay, yeah, sorry, I will digress and tell stories. Oh no, you're a great storyteller, and it's so much fun to hear them. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about those days in Boston, and then the clubs in in the city. What's happening now with the the clubs in the city? I mean, do you still get an opportunity now that things have opened back up a little bit to go out and hear stuff? Are they closing? Um. Things have opened here to a degree. Uh, I would say I don't have a lot of gigs in town. Um, I would say I just did a gig up in a house concert up in Boston last week. That was incredible. Outside the house of Boston. concert is a, is a private a private concert, right? It, it was. It was private at a, it was at a very beautiful private house. Nice. Um, and that was a band that you put together. No, that was uh, the guitarist Rob Price mm -hmm. and his brother Ed played bass clarinet. Mm -hmm. So it was guitar, bass clarinet, and baritone. And we played. And then Bill Frizzell and Julian Lodge did a duo set. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was kind of incredible night, really. Yeah. Beautiful night of eclectic music. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, Indoors. Indoors, obviously, Boston in November. So it's, it was know. indoors, yes, yes. And they asked the audience to wear masks when they weren't uh -huh. eating. They okay. were served dinner too, but they did, everybody, we got to be without them to play, but the audience was masked. And uh, there were probably about 80 people there. It was, it was a big house. Nice. 
So um, you say you don't have many gigs in the city. What does that What does that mean? Normally you would have a bunch of clubs and a regular kind of um, network, no? You know, the scene has been changing for me for a while. Um, the, the, the clubs that are around, well, I mean, right now, I mean, I, I, I like playing at Smalls, but right now it's, it, uh, the, I think it's, there's quite a wait to get a gig. I just haven't done all the hustling I should be doing to get the gigs. And huh? I'm, I, I might be at a stage in life, you know, where I'm looking to invent other things or right. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to do about all that. I'm not in a hurry to be in the clubs. Uh-huh. You know? I mean, we're still, we're, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic now, but um, I'd say it's not over yet. Yeah, for sure. Right. So other than smalls, are I mean, so you, you say you love to hear live music. So have you been going out to hear live music lately? Um, I went to Birdland two nights ago. Two nights ago? Was it last night? No, it wasn't last mm-hmm. night. I, I, heard, I just heard Joe Lovano. Okay. Dave, Dave Douglas. They uh-huh. played at Birdland this week, and that was beautiful. And I have been out a little bit. Um, but in previous in previous parts of your life, you've gone to clubs a lot. Oh yeah. Right. Just to hear a lot of music. So it's just kind of coming back. You know, I, I live on sixth Avenue and 25th street. So I'm kind of like, okay, I just want to hear some music. I walk into the village and go to Mesro or smalls or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes there's little places that are having something one night a week or I don't know. Um, where else? I don't, I know I haven't been to the Vanguard much in a long time, uh, not because I don't love it, but just um, it's oh you know ironically I went to the Blue Note. My friend was in town um, from California, and who did we hear there? We heard Ravi Coltrane there. Okay. Because he was connected to Ravi. Um, his father was Bob Thiel. Okay. Here and he was Bob Thiel Jr. and um, Ravi did. Ravi did two things f- with us or for us as part of the Hamptons Jazz Fest. Oh, nice! He played at um, LTV. I don't, do you know what East Hampton LTV is? It's the local access television station out here, so it's kind of like a public TV station, and it's got a oh, nice cool. room with a high ceiling. But then they were doing a fundraiser for the the John Coltrane home, the John and yeah. and right and Alice and in a, you know further up Island in Nassau Six County. Hill. Yeah. Dix Hills. Yeah. Right. And Dix Hills. So that was also at the Southampton Art Center, right on that same stage where you played. That was in, uh, that was in October. Um, So yeah, that was great. And it was great meeting him. Yeah. Um, He's fantastic. So um, also I wanted to, I wanted you to talk a little bit about being a, a woman in jazz and what that's meant for you and what it's meant for, you know, how your career has, developed and what you've done in that regard for other women or with other women? Huh. Okay. Well, that's a big one there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A second on that one. Um, I think most of the women in jazz that I know got into it because of the music. There was, there wasn't a gender 
thing involved in in the you know music doesn't have a gender so i think that's why myself and most of the people i know most of the women players that i know just got into it for the music and what ensues after that or what you find out about what it's like to be a woman in jazz i think is akin to just what you find out what it's like to be a woman in a society at this period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times that it is to your disadvantage and there are times that it is to your advantage. Um, there are um, differences in the pay scales. Uh, there are a lot of differences in the attitudes. Um, It'd be fair to say. Thank you. 
Hello, I'm John Landis, host of the Jam Session Radio Hour, heard here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIW-FM on Sundays at 8 p.m. It's a very special time of year, a time to enjoy the holidays with friends and family and a time for giving. We hope you enjoy what we bring to you every day and from the Jam Session Radio Hour. With our outstanding local programming, along with your NPR favorites, whatever your interests, news, music, public affairs, we know you'll find something to keep you entertained and better informed. And it's the perfect time to say thanks. When you make a donation now in support of our Board of Trustees Challenge, every dollar you donate will be matched up to $100,000. But this matching gift challenge ends December 31. So please donate now and have your donation go twice as far. Please call us at 800-262-0717 or go online at wliwfm.org. Thank you and happy holidays from the Jam Session Radio Hour and from WLIW-FM. You are listening to WLIW, 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York, also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. This is the long, this is the Jam Session Radio Hour uh, in uh, December of 2021. John Land is your host, and we're listening to an interview of the wonderful Claire Daly, baritone saxophone player extraordinaire, and a great part of our music community in, uh, in New York and uh, in the country. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. It's almost like an anthropological kind of question, you know. I mean, obviously, you don't, you wouldn't want to be in it because it was a gimmick. Um, right. But then right. there are situations where the, the band is all women, right? So somebody, it seems like somebody would be behind the idea of, okay, this band is going to be all women, yes. right? When Stanley Kay, who was the manager of Diva, decided Diva to- was your big band. Diva was the big band, uh, Sherry yeah. Miracle's big band. What mm-hmm. happened was Stanley Kay had managed old showbiz people. He had managed Buddy Rich. He had managed Jack Jones, Michelle Lee, like people, old, old school showbiz people. He was an mm-hmm. old school showbiz guy. Right. And he saw Sherry Miracle play and he thought, wow, she can really play. Maybe there are other women that can really play. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. great illusion. Yeah. So he reinvented the wheel mm-hmm. and auditioned for an all women big band. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he had managed Buddy Rich big band, so he had a lot of connections. Okay. And so they had auditions and picked the band. And, you know, and he started promoting the band, you know, with all of his people. Now, the interesting thing was that he came up against a lot of attitudes. Uh-huh. He learned a lot about sexism mm-hmm. and it fueled his fire to want to do better for the band. And Perfect. he managed that band until he passed away. Yeah. Um, I was in it for seven years. Okay. It's been around now, I don't know what, 25 years? Okay. More like a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stanley Kay was the really put put that on the map and, and insisted that some good things happened for that. And so the Diva Big Band still exists? Sure. Yes, it does. Okay. Yes. And do they tend to, I mean, do they tour as the Diva Big Band or do they tend to play a certain... I, I think that venues? they tour as Diva Big Band. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the rhythm section and one or two horns also 
tour as a small band. I think mm -hmm. Sherry, Sherry Miracle, the drummer, I have to say, to the act of having a big band, you have to be the most generous person alive because you're constantly putting the the good of the band ahead of your of your own thing like it's a it's a it's really a um a, a tremendous undertaking to have a big band in this century and be trying to get that band to work you have to be working tirelessly to make it happen so so that's because of its size uh, you know it's just that that much harder to administer yeah i mean you know look it's hard to get out and pay a quartet I, yeah. I go out the thing i probably do the most and the thing a lot of people i know do the most is go out and and play I'll, i go somewhere and play with local players from there right as a, as a guest or whatever do that like not unlike the jam session you right. know um but you that's go, because you have this network you've built this network and they know that they can count on you to come and play if they want yes. to play baritoners or baritone and flute, right? Correct. Correct. So that's how they. And so, are you saw? Are you saw? Are you also one of the people who will do that for others and bring them together, or is it more often that you're going to be invited to go somewhere else with these people that they're they're putting it together? You do you do both? I do both, mm -hmm. and uh, more often than not, if I am invited on one gig. Um, if if I'm not bringing my whole band, what I try and do is string a couple of them together and just stay out for a while and yeah. have a car. I just go drive around and right. and play, you know. So um, if I can bring my band, that's a thrill. That has been a, a pretty rare experience for me. Yeah. So that'd be another record beyond the balance, the Francis Ballantine one. That'll be yeah, that'll be the Francis Ballantine one. And so so George, George played standards with us. It okay. Like, it's awesome. So a lot that's, that's a lot of that's already recorded. Yes. Just has to be mastered. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when will that Matt, when will that come out? Very hard to say. The the the, the producer of it Jeff Jones, J Jeff Jedi Jones, um, has a lot of projects going and he's going to he'll get to it as he does, but uh, he is such a genius of of production that um, you know, or of sound because right. we recorded it live. That's uh, Mars? Um, no, we recorded it. I mean, uh, it was recorded live to two tracks. It's not like he can't like he can't do a lot of production stuff on it, but he will master it masterfully. So you did it in the studio live? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that was the intent. And how 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 long were you in the studio for that? Two days. Okay. So yeah, we just basically, we didn't even have a lot of lead time. It was kind of one of these things where the studio time came available. And, you know, we just, we threw together some, well, and I, I let Francis, I asked Francis to pick some of the tunes, you know, because it's going to be called for Francis. How did she come into your life? And what did Francis, I mean, besides being a huge fan of jazz, not a musician herself, what did she do in life? Francis. Um, you know, Frances worked different jobs throughout her. She didn't have a strong career. Mm -hmm. She didn't have. She wasn't actually like driven in an art career. Yeah, anything. Right. Different jobs. She was married twice. Mm -hmm. She was in an interracial marriage in the forties. Wow. Which she's got some really uh, um, awful stories about. Um, but yeah. uh, 
you know, she's just, um, you know, she's she she lived. She's one of those consummate New Yorkers. Yeah. That you know it. You know it when you meet her. Yeah. Hell, like she, right. she grew up um, in Connecticut somewhere, but like you know, she had a complicated upbringing mm-hmm. and um, found her way into life in a very conscious way and became really a, like she's a person who's done a lot of things uh, stealth for others you know she helps people anonymously mm-hmm. and um, she's helped me that way and uh, she, I, I, I am forever indebted to Francis yeah. and I want to be like Francis when I grow up yeah yeah well, that that's that that's a pretty good uh, uh, item for our bucket list yeah. <laughs> that we were working on. <laughs> and so, just w- one last question, and and just uh, so that the the band as it's constituted now, right? That's your that's your current band, and it, I'm sure it morphs a little bit, right? Yes. But like, for instance, that house job that you did in Boston, did the whole band go up for that, or was that just you? No, that was a different group. That wasn't my band. That was Rob Price's band. Really. Okay, yes, yeah, right. Now that was the first time we've done a gig out. I've played a bunch in Brooklyn with Rob. He's a wonderful guitarist mm-hmm. and very interesting. You know, not uh, he's an un, un, uncommon if had, guitarist. If you had a good a gig in the in the Hamptons that materialized, like with the Hamptons Jazz Fest, that would, the band that you described would most likely be the band that would come right the quartet yeah yeah that quartet yeah which which is which bears your name it's the claire daly quartet Claire daly quartet yeah that's unless the if it was something if it was a program that was more eclectic yeah i might say hey rob let's let's do let's mm-hmm. let's grab ed and do that again we we said we agreed that we want to work more together because we really had a I, I, again i've worked before pandemic i was working with rob every month or so out in brooklyn we were doing a monthly gig out there mm-hmm. and um but yeah the claire daly quartet is the one i like is there anything uh, else that you would want to add to all of this? We've gone kind of in different parts of you. Know, no, I feel you know, like I'm, I get so scattered. I'm sorry. John. No, it hasn't been scattered. It's, I, I've asked them in this kind of scattered fashion, but we've hit a lot of different places. So I just wanted to see if there was anything that had come to mind that you wanted to tell us another story. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, no, but I think if I was going to describe my life, I would just say it's been pretty eclectic in that I went to Berkeley. I thought I was going to get out of Berkeley and be a bebop jazz musician. Right. And I immediately got in a funk rock band that right. was on the road six days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we were out traveling and playing, you know, for four and five nights at different places and coming back to Boston and doing little jazz gigs. What was the name of that band? Dish. Okay. Um, and have have all those people stayed in music? No. No, not really. No, but mm-hmm. one of them was one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. The singer, mm-hmm. the songwriter, front person was mm-hmm. amazing, Dorothy. But um, and Dorothy has stayed in music? No. 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 no she hasn't. But okay. um, it, do you it, like to work with vocalists? Uh yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And um, you sing a little bit, I hear you sing. Uh, I'm warble. I, I'm not really. I'm not a singer. Right. 
but I, I like to do it sometimes. So sometimes yeah. I do it on gigs and sometimes I, I put, I, sometimes I'll put, I'll try on a record. I'll just put one vocal on there, but they, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's just cause I like to do it. It's right. not because I'm good at it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, the, the business with that rock band, we got, we got pretty, we did pretty well at one point. Davy Johnstone from Elton John's band produced us oh. and um, we sort of got to a pretty high level and just didn't get over the top there, which is the story of 99% of bands. Right. Yeah, so, right. Um, but we had a really fun ride, but the business end of it really kicked Dorothy's butt. She didn't, she didn't, she, like that part. she couldn't she couldn't hang after all that because it was it was it wasn't like you wanted to go through all of that again mm -hmm. you know we, we were a bar band we were a great bar band and um you know then the business really kicked us around right <laughs> sufficiently for her i on the other hand am stubborn so when no. that all fell apart for me i moved to new york from uh -huh. Like I, I moved back here right. and just started up again and was playing more jazz. But again, I would just say my life has been very eclectic. I've done so many different types of things and I've enjoyed many of them. Right. Yeah. So. Well, we're lucky to have you and we're certainly lucky to have had you in the jam session. We're very lucky to have had you for this interview today and uh, we'll put it together with some good music and we're looking forward to having it on. WLIWFM 88.3 out here. Yeah. Um, John. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi to all my people out there. I miss you. Yeah, we miss you too. We'll have you out here soon.
So we thank you so much for having been with us. Um, I think you found uh, Claire Daly an interesting, very interesting person. Lots of stories, lots of great stories and great people that she's done. Uh, tribute albums too, including Thelonious Monk, but others uh, that you didn't know so much about. Uh, she's got an album coming out as a tribute to one of her friends that she told us about. And uh, we thank her very much for having done the interview with us and having uh, told us about how she works and what's important to her in terms of playing uh, and uh, especially her approaches to uh, uh, tone and musicality. All very, very interesting stuff. So thank you, Claire, so much. Thank you to others who help us put this together, including uh, the wonderful Rafael Alvarez, who is our sound engineer. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you to uh, Fernando Valladeres, who helps us choose music and his encyclopedic knowledge of jazz. Thank you to Silvano Monasterios for the use of his tune as our intro and outro. Thanks to our, our sponsors, our underwriters, Oza Sabbath. Uh, the architectural firm from Bridgehampton, Oza Sabbath, and also to Bayard Fenwick of Saunders, another underwriter of this show. We thank them uh, so much. We thank you all for being with us. We hope you're enjoying the holidays. We want to point out there's something coming up on New Year's Eve in Sag Harbor at Barron's Cove, which we're partly uh, at least connected to, and that is because it's the Bill Smith Project, which is part of the Mambo Loco Band. Bill's their piano player. And they're going to be playing at Barron's Cove in the Lounge on New Year's Eve. I think they're having two seatings of dinner upstairs. Great restaurant. But in the Lounge, you can just come in and enjoy New Year's Eve and hear the band. And uh, anybody who knows Mambo Loco knows how, knows how great this band will be. So it'll be a mix of, of uh, Latin and other jazz and a great night to to dance and and in ring in the new year so happy holidays to everybody um thanks wliw for hosting our show and uh again we wish you all the happiest of holidays a great new year's eve and from the jam session radio hour thanks for being with us this past 2021 we'll talk to you soon good night good night